brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. Welcome to another episode of Honest Money. We're, we're doing something a little bit different today because we're, we're talking about very young investors, incredibly young investors. So, so this is not a, an area of my expertise. And, and I was having a conversation with Steve Van Noyen, who's joining us today. He's the CEO of DigiDocs, and it's a digital media agency. So he's kind of the, the guru on all things digital media and hugely helpful to me. And we've been talking about, about babies because Steve and his wife are proud parents of a six-week-old little girl. And, and obviously, money and future planning, et cetera, is coming up. So we thought let's 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 talk about it on honest money. Thank you for joining, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, Warren. It's really exciting to be on the show, and yeah, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to ask questions. As you said, we've got a new little baby in the house. She's currently six weeks old as we're recording this, and yeah. So I just really, as you can imagine, as soon as she was born, the stress starts coming in around: should I be starting investments for her? What investments should they be? Should we be sending the money overseas? Should we be keeping the money in South Africa or whatever the case may be? So I think if we can, what would your do's and don'ts be for an investment for someone that's six weeks old? I think the, the, the starting point, which, which you're hitting already, is using the power of compounding you know, for you and your, and your baby is, is absolutely the best thing you can do. So, so the first part of the answer is just start, just get going. You know, I think worrying about choosing the exactly perfect investment and you know, you know, choosing the best platform and all of those things, I'm not saying those are totally irrelevant, but actually the first point is just get going. You know, and, and I think that, that, that for me is always the, the, the key point in something like this so you know i think um when, when you're investing money for a, a youngster and especially someone who's who's you know six weeks old you know using a tax-free savings account makes all the sense in the world to me because by the time she's you know 15 16 years old you would have you would have used up her 500,000 rands worth of capacity well i shouldn't say used it up but you would have built up her 500,000 rands worth of capacity which is you know works out at 36,000 rand a year that is the max she can do up to 500,000 what i like about that is that the money is starting to grow completely free of dividends tax you know income tax capital gains tax all of that so so you know when she's 16 you know if the money's correctly invested it might be doubling every five or six years thereafter so you know let's just say by the time she's 21 22 you know she's she's got a million rands worth of of investments that that she can either use to to fund education if you haven't made a provision for that or she can keep it going and if she stays disciplined and knowing you and your wife, I have no doubt she'll be disciplined. But if she stays disciplined, I mean, that, that could be kind of the, the bulk of her retirement or financial freedom money done by, by the time, you know, she's 35, 40. So, so I think tax-free savings accounts make all the sense in the world to me. I think it's, it's easily the best thing to do. Maybe just what you would choose inside a tax-free. I think maximum allocation to shares makes sense. You know, in other words, don't don't choose a balanced fund or a cash fund or a bond fund or conservative or cautious portfolio. She's got lots of time, and when you've got lots of time, you know, maximum growth, you know, at responsible risk is 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 the ideal objective. I think. 
and and that means shares. So so your choice could be that you either choose kind of a local a local all share index kind of investment, whether it's a unit trust in in, in, in those would be called general equity unit trusts or or an index. You know, to, you know something like the top forty index. The alternative to that is the, then global, you know, global equity. So gl- global equity unit trust or a global equity index. I think to me, you, you know, the big decision there is make sure it's low cost, make sure it's well structured, and 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 then 100% in shares all the time. And and just don't worry about market volatility and what's going on in the you know in the news and the media because truthfully her time horizon is so long that actually whatever you do now you know the best thing you can do is just start the money get it invested and keep invested i think i would i wouldn't be cautious with her investments i wouldn't you know put all her money in cash or or, or something like that i think that doesn't make sense you know that you know cash investments just don't make sense for tax-free accounts anyway but but for young people time horizon is is key and and you know they've got such a long time horizon that you know doing anything else other than shares doesn't make sense i wouldn't put her her money into a product you know like a, a endowment or a structured product or something like that you know i think i think the benefit of a tax free is that it's accessible if something goes wrong enough and you need the money it's accessible and and at the same time you know we know the costs are going to be reasonable because you know government have made a point about limiting the fees on on tax frees which i think is good i'm not i'm not sure what else i would do other than don't delay i think you know get going like you know and, and if you've done it already well done if you haven't get you know get started i think that's the big the big point yeah and i think just to, to add to that as well that a lot of i think it's just the times we live in a lot of our family also live overseas so and they always ask us what can they buy the little one and if you do have some sort of investment product or something like that then it's just easy to say to them listen well why don't you deposit some money into this account we'll invest it for and in the future should be able to to reap those benefits from there i just wanted to ask because obviously now that we have the little one and i think you might have touched on it already with the endowment products but we get bombarded with investing in some sort of, i'm not even sure what the products are but some sort of products for education do you advise on those or do you think it's really just we should rather invest money and do it ourselves? Yeah, I don't, I don't like those. You know, usually what's happening is the financial services companies, the, the, the unscrupulous ones, let's say, are, are kind of tugging at your heartstrings. They, they know you want to do the best you can for your children. You know, they know you want to do, do everything that's in your power to, to make their lives better. So, so calling, you know, creating a product and calling it, you know, education fund. Uh, I mean, the marketing around that is, is, is genius in a way, but the ethics may be not so genius. You know, what I don't like about them is they're usually endowments, you know, they usually are, are at least a five-year product and, and, you know, your money becomes restricted in terms of accessing that money. Sometimes they, they'll charge you upfront fees to go into it. I, I'm not sure that the, the ongoing fees of those products are even, you know, that, that cost-effective anyway. And the premise is that, you know, after five years, if you save for a minimum of five years, the proceeds are, are tax-free. And for most people, you know, especially if you if you do the investment in in your daughter's name, she's not going to be paying much tax ever, you know, and, until she starts earning a salary. So if it's if it's expressly for her education, and and you do it in her name, tax is not a consideration. You know, it's much more important to know that you can access the money when you need to, that the costs of the investment are good, and and that you are you know well positioned in terms of what's the underlying you know what, what's the ingredient of the investment, what's the the thing that makes it up, you know. An education fund that's you know in cash or a balanced fund just doesn't make sense to me. If you've got you know a ten or twenty year time horizon, yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then yeah, I think my final question was really just around life cover and disability cover. 
obviously before we had a little daughter, our daughter, it wasn't, it was a concern, but not as much as a concern it is right now, because obviously my wife has a stable job, I have a stable job. So if something happened to either partner, it was okay. But now we obviously have a little one to think about. So we have, have obviously started the process and started getting quotes from different providers. And what really threw me is one provider charges you a couple hundred rand, another provider charges you a couple thousand rand. So do you have any tips or advice or something that I should look for? Should I focus more on the disability or more on the life cover? Or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky one because, you know, good uh, good life cover and good disability cover, unfortunately, is expensive. You know, so, so something that costs you a couple of hundred bucks, I, I would suspect is not really worth the money you're paying. You know, what you'll find is it'll be loaded with exemptions and exceptions where, you know, if you're riding a bicycle one-legged upside down, they might pay you. But if you're riding two-legged on a flat road, they're not going to pay you know something like that i just think obviously using a silly example but high quality disability cover from an insurance company that you know is going to pay it's going to cost you money you know i think and and the younger you are you know the, the more likely that they might have to pay because they, they have to insure you for the remainder of your working career you know so sometimes it's 25 you know 30 years of of working life that they've got to insure so so it's going to be expensive do you give a preference to one or the other i i mean i think you need to do both you know the you know the, the reality is you need to do a calculation as a family and say well if one of us isn't here you know the 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 remaining partner might be okay from an income point of view but they might not have enough money now to fund education and for example now they might need to get a caregiver or an au pair or somebody to help with the fetching and the carrying and and so you need to do a calculation to say you know in addition to just kind of, you know, our, our base expenses, if you've got debt and we need to cover that for life cover, we also need an extra amount of money, you know, so that the, the, the surviving partner can actually, you know, look after the child, look after themselves and and get ahead. You know, and I think, you know, d- definitely worth considering. And, and disability cover for the same reason, you know, you, you're both earning. So so your joint incomes are part of the plan now. And, and suddenly one of you, you know, no longer can work, but but you're still alive and still a cost. You know, like, a, I mean, it sounds horrible to say a drain on the family, but but a financial drain on the family, in, in which case, yes, you, you de- definitely need disability insurance. I, I tend to try and get two or three quotes at least when I do this. So, so what I would do is I would, I would, you know, there are a couple of the newer sort of new age insurance companies that, you know, very specific about the way they underwrite you and how long you get insurance for, et cetera. And I think those are worthwhile. I think, you know, it's definitely good to get a quote from at least one modern new age insurance company and then at least one or two quotes from some other insurance companies as well. Don't be scared of getting from the traditional life assurance as well. My big tip there is make them work for their money. So tell them, tell all of them that you that you're doing this. Tell all of them that you're going to show the quotes to all the all the, to everybody so that they can help you make the best decision. You know, the, the, these life assurance companies train their agents on, on the benefits of their own products and the flaws in their competitive products. So once you've done your, your homework and got a few quotes, you'll know very well after probably three quotes w- whether you're correctly positioned, whether the fees are fair, et cetera, and what the risks are. But, but I think we, we would be kind of negligent in our conversation if we didn't talk about one thing that you should be doing you know, almost at the same time, and that's make sure your will's updated. So, so it's something you know that that you know you've, you kind of sounds like you're ticking the boxes, which is good. But but one of the things for new parents, especially new parents for the first time, you know, it's by the time you've got your second baby, you've probably covered all the stuff. But but on a, on your first baby, you know, one of the conversations is you know who, who who do we appoint as the guardians of our daughter if something happens to us, and and that's quite a tough conversation because. 
a lot of people will automatically, you know, especially young, you know, younger people, younger parents would say, well, I'll, I'll just nominate one of our sets of, you know, one, one of the sets of grandparents, which, which I think is a terrible outcome. You know, uh, grandparents are grandparents for a reason. They, they don't, they, they're not young enough. They're not prepared, for example, to, to kind of take on a young baby all over again. And it's not a service to the baby either. You know, the, the grandparents should play the role of grandparents in your daughter's life if something happens to the two of you. So, so I think you, you're looking for, you know, someone of a similar age, someone who can, you know, who can kind of bring up your daughter with the same values. And, and then really importantly, you've got to speak to that, that person or that couple, make sure that they're agreeing and that they understand that they've answered their questions that they might have. You've told them what you want. And that needs to be, you know, you know, the, the appointment of your, the guardians, the legal guardians of your, of your daughter need to be in the will. That needs to be specific. This is who it is, mm. you know, and, and you, you name them. And then really importantly, you speak to both sets of grandparents to say, you're not it, you know, this is why this is the, the this is our logic our reasoning and we don't want fights you know on, on our death you know we want you to be our daughter's you know grandparents but but you're not the guardians every day and it's a it's kind of a tough conversation because you know they, they might be a little bit hurt but you, you don't want to you, you need to prevent all of the kind of potential fights in the future now you know and ha have the hard conversation now and hope that it never ever gets you know gets used obviously but but i think you know making sure your will is right also talking to the guardians to say look the, you know this is the life policy that we will set up and and make sure that you know that that the flow of the money from the life policy goes to the right place to look after your your daughter. You know you need to be careful there that you know you're worrying about one or one of you dying, but if both of you die, where does the money go? And and a lot of the time, you know, creating a trust at the moment of the death of both of you or the last of the two of you, and it's called a will trust. You know, it makes a lot of sense. So you don't start a trust today, but you put it in your in your will now to say if we both die. Our assets go in here. The life policy goes in here. We've got trustees that that will look after the the financial interests of our daughter, while the legal guardians look after her daily. So, so I think that that's a big one. You know, I mean, there's so much to do, and there's so many things to think about. Uh, you know, that might get neglected. I think it's an important one. And maybe just as a general comment, Stephen, I think new new parents always try to do their best. So, so what happens is stress levels, you know, inevitably raise. I mean, no, no matter what you do, you're now worrying about you know a new life, and it's a it's a, a, a crushing responsibility for a lot of parents. And and I think w one thing to understand there, and it's a bit of kind of a, a psychology lesson now, is you, you can only control certain outcomes, you, you know, w when you have a child. You know, so, so so some of those things are we can start to provision, we can financially set a you know set the goals in place. We can start to figure out where we want our daughter to be educated, all of those things. But but there are so many things that you can't control. And and actually, you know, living with high levels of stress you know, is not a gift to a child. So so once you've kind of ticked the boxes, you know, make peace with the fact that there are a million things you can't control. And and then spend your time being a parent, you know, spend your energy on your on your daughter and not on worrying about the future forever. I think, you know, lo lots of parents in South Africa are forever worrying about education and where's the world going, where's the country going. And there are millions of things that, uh, you know, that could change every outlook. And, and I think a, a lot of the time we spend too much of our energy on on things that just make no sense today and we things we can't impact you know worrying about the politics of the countries like worrying about the weather you you can't do anything about it you know just take a raincoat you know and, and then you'll be okay take a jersey and and i think it's the same attitude to to this you know make sure that you that you kind of done your you know ticked your boxes and then spend your energy on the human side of this and and you know not so much on on all the things you can't control
Yeah, no, thank you so much, Warren. I think that is so true because it's like last night my wife and I had the conversation of like, what if she chooses to go to a varsity or university overseas? You know, that's obviously going to mean that we should be saving in a foreign currency. But then, like my wife said, well, what if she chooses United States or England? You know, then what currency do you choose? And it's, it's something that's so so important what you said now, just to rather focus on saving for it. And when the time comes and she makes a choice to go to whichever country, then we've provided the necessary funding for it, you know. So thank you so much. My last question was going to be around trusts, because that's also something that new parents always mention to each other. We have to open a trust now because we have a little one. But you answered that question already for me. So yeah, that's all my questions for today. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, and thank you, Steve. That was great to have you on the show. And, and we'll, we'll check in with you from time to time to see the, the financial questions we need to answer as she gets older. Awesome. Thank you so much. Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. 